I'm a recovered addict. My name's Lauren. Hey, Lauren. Join me in the serenity prayer. God, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Okay, we're here to do steps six, seven, eight, and nine. Um, so six, seven, eight, and nine, they're a lot about relationships and mending relationships. Uh, step nine, in step nine, we'll go a little bit backwards, but in step nine, um, we make amends to those people that we have harmed during the time we we're using and stuff like that. So it's really important in healing. Um, it's also the freedom step. If you look at the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which we use a lot, is um, in the step nine is where the promises come. You know, it says when you're halfway through, that's when the promises start to come. And they mean halfway through making amends. Uh, but before you can make amends, you have to become willing to make amends. And that would be step eight. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. And in order to make amends, your amends have to be sincere. And uh, the reason why the steps are in order is um, they're in order for a particular reason. And step nine is kind of down the road. They're at, it's after the inventory steps and after six and seven. And the reason why they're that way is um, people, while I was using, used to hear me say, I'm sorry, all the time. You know, they didn't want to hear, I'm sorry, anymore. They wanted to actually see behavior change. I, you know, I was, yeah, I was a sorry, I was a sorry ass, that's for sure, you know, and they were hearing it all the time. So in order for my amend to be sincere, I was, I had to be willing to change my behavior and my behavior had to change so that people see that there was change in me. Um, and that's where six and seven come along. Six and seven is really about that. It's really what I call the turning point of the steps. That's where your life is really starts to change is at step six and seven. Um, by the time you've gotten to six, though, you've done your inventory, supposedly, uh, and you've looked at your the nature of your defects of character with your sponsor. You've shared them with with someone else and with God, and so now you're pretty much willing. Uh, you're pretty much know what your behavior is, uh, and then you know if, if you felt like I did, which was essentially after I looked at my behavior, I got to a point where I couldn't do the same behavior and feel comfortable about it because now I knew about it. It was right there in my face. It was in black and white, and I can no longer practice the same behavior. So um, I had to become willing to have God remove all my character defects. And it became pretty easy to become willing when you didn't feel comfortable doing, uh, doing that behavior anymore. So... Essentially, step six is, it's not an event, okay? Step six is more of a journey. And what happens in step six is there are certain defects of character that, that really inhibit our spirituality and our serenity, and it's really easy to, get, to become willing to get rid of those. But there's still some behavior that we're not, you know, we hang on to that's not necessarily... A, affecting us it's you know kind of in our makeup and we haven't gotten to that point but what happens as we go through life is uh if you've ever heard of the term the road narrows you know for me the road got gets narrower and narrower there's very little behavior i allow myself 
that's going to inhibit my spirituality and serenity. It's just not really worth it. So what ends up happening is I have to change that behavior. And um, so what I have here, I'm going to pass these out. Why don't you um, take a little package yeah, and pass them out. And... Um, Oh, there's one missing. Let's see. Let me see. Okay, well, anyways, go pass that out. Okay. So one of the things that you're going to get right now is there's a list... And if you look at the list, on the left um, is character defects, and to the right of that is the opposite spiritual principle. Because a lot of people think, well, if I'm getting rid of my character defect, if I'm getting rid of something, where does that leave me? You know, and there's no void. So um, what it is is there's, for every character defect, there's an opposite spiritual principle that we can follow. And um, and so what happens is when we get to step, step six and seven, and I had another sheet, unfortunately I don't have it here, but I have another sheet that had three columns in it for step six. And the first column was, you know, willing to let go of the defect now, not quite ready to get let go of it, and still holding on to it. And what I suggest people doing is to list all the ones they're willing to get rid of right away, and then the ones that they're still sort of holding on to, but they're getting really close to getting rid of, put that in the middle column, and then the ones they're still hanging on to, um, to put on the right column. And the idea is to move as time goes on, is to move so that eventually they all get to the willing to get rid of right away, okay? Uh, but you know, some people have different defects of character. Someone might you know, let's say, be very lustful, but it's not really affecting them emotionally or spiritually, but at some point it might. You know, it might affect them that way. It might become behavior. So um, so we put it on there like that. And then step six and step seven is, and the, re, the, the way it was written originally in the original mans, manuscript was, humbly on our knees was... Um, ask God to remove all of our defects of character holding nothing back that's the way it was written in the original manuscript before they edited it and um, it became the big book but that's how it was written originally um, so there's a, a whole there's a real level of humility that comes with step seven step seven is really about humility and asking God to remove your character defects. You know, everyone says, well, step three, you know, we made a decision to turn it over. Well, you're not really turning in anything over at step three. Step seven is the real turnover step. This is where you're asking God to remove your character defects. And now what has to happen once you've asked God to remove your character defects is you have to act, it doesn't say, and then he removed them, okay? The step doesn't say that, okay? So what I always tell people is you have to act as if God removed them. 
And that's where this sheet comes in handy, okay? So like instead of being, let's take cynical, for example, well, then you're open-minded. You know, if one of your character defects is being cynical, well, I'm not going to be cynical. I'm going to be open-minded, you know, and you can go down this list and try every time you come to a situation, you know, there's a fork in the road. You could either choose the character defect or could, you can choose the spiritual principle, which is its opposite, okay? And what generally happens, what I know with people and what I've seen happen is um, some of these character defects are pretty much ingrained in us. They're ways we've behaved for years and years and years. Um, and what ends up happening is we come up to a situation and inevitably we still do the character defect, you know, and then we realize we've done the character defect and now we owe an amend to somebody or whatever it is. Um, and we feel bad about it, you know, what we're just, we shouldn't feel bad about it. You know, we're working on things, we're learning, all right? So um, the next time that happens, you get in the fork of the road and the same behavior comes up, you think about it ahead of time and you go, oh, I can either do the character defect or I can do the spiritual principle and you choose the spiritual principle, okay? Until ultimately what ends up happening is the spiritual principle becomes the default behavior. You know, if you continue to practice um, God's will, and to me God's will is practicing spiritual behavior as opposed to character defects, um, then ultimately, ultimately if you practice spiritual be spiritual behavior that becomes your will too and your will starts to align with God's will okay because uh, that generally is what happens um, and and so the seventh step I want to talk about seven step prayer a second seven step prayer is you know if you look at it it's probably a type of prayer that you need to do every single day because every single day you know you need to ask God for his guidance and to you know, to, to, to remove your behavior, to watch your behavior and to, and to guide you so that you don't behave the way you used to. And when you start behaving a certain way, people see the change. And when people see the change, when you go to make the amend, then it's sincere because they see that you've changed. They see you don't behave the way that you used to behave. Um... You know, a lot of times we'll act, if you think about some of these things, we'll act out on our character defects because um, of fear. You know, fear is a big motivating factor as uh, how we behave. And it's usually fear of either getting, uh, not getting something we want or losing something that we have. And um, so that's generally a, a big character defect. And the best way to deal with fear, again, is through prayer and meditation to have faith. You know, if we have faith that everything's going to work out the way it's supposed to, that takes away the fear. We get into that place where we can make decisions based on God's will and not our will. Okay. Um, now, step eight... Step eight is becoming willing to um, 
Step eight is becoming willing to make amends to people. And there's a big aspect, the biggest spiritual principle of step eight is forgiveness. Um, because this is our amends, not someone else's amends. And sometimes the, what keeps us from being willing to make an amend to someone is the idea that they owe us an amend. You know, usually we've been in situations where it takes two to tango. There's, you know, it takes two people to to be part of a relationship and, and not everyone's clean in the relationship. But in order for us to make our amends, we've got to remember this is our amends. In order for us to make our amends, we have to forgive the other person for whatever their part is in it. And that's not always very easy. And um, I find what is very helpful generally is to pray for the person and to wish for them that everything you want for yourself. You know, and if you do that, even if you don't really believe it, you know, even if you really don't want it for them, you do it anyways, and then you'll come to eventually believe it and want it for them. And then you'll be able to forgive the person and be able to make your amends. Um, I give you a work, uh, a little, a little grid for doing step eight. It's like you name the person or the place you have harmed, what you did to them, and then what you need to make the amend. There would be a couple of things I would add to this. Is I would maybe label them A, B, and C. And A being easy amends, B being more difficult amends, and C being hard amends. And maybe tackle some of those easy ones first to get a few under your belt. And then I'd also put a date, like when you're going to do it, so that you don't, and assign a date to all of them. You know, you can always change the date, but try to assign a date this way you don't procrastinate and you get them done, you know. So it's easy to not do those amends. But, you know, step nine is really about that freedom. And then there's always questions as to how do I make an amend or, um, you know, do I, do I make an amend? Because sometimes we want to make an amend, but we're going to cause more harm than we than we would if we didn't make the amend. And a lot of it is we're making the amend to get rid of our own guilt and shame, not really thinking about what effect we're going to have on the other person. You know, a good example of that is, um, let's say someone had a one-night affair with someone and they're never going to see this person again or anything like that. It's not an ongoing relationship affair. It's one night, whatever it was, you know, maybe back when they were drunk or or uh, high or whatever it was, and they're never going to see that person they they had that one night event with. Do you tell your significant other about that? Okay, it's not this long going on thing. Yeah, you get rid of your guilt, but look at the harm that you're going to do to that other person that you did. The best thing to do is just be is to make a living amend and just be the best person you can be in that relationship as you can, you know. Um, now, obviously, if you've got some long going on thing and you get caught, you know, <laughs> everyone's always sorry when they get caught, you know. But, I mean, there's definitely some talking that needs to be done about it, you know, because the person's already the person's already hurt, you know. Or if you have a long going on thing, you may owe an amend as well. Um, 
you know, and then there's other type of amends, people that, hey, you know, I used to pinch from my dealer, do I owe them a quarter ounce of weed? You know, it's like, how do you deal with that? You know, you, you really don't, <laughs> okay? So, um, but there's ways of even dealing with that. If you feel you need to make an amend with that, uh, there's always a discussion of about of alternative amends. We talk about our president staff talks about alternative facts. We have alternative amends, okay? So, um, you know, where you can donate uh, money to a charity, a drug rehab, or something like that in its, in its place, you know, um, if you feel that you stole from someone like that. Um, but those are basically the steps. Now, uh, I want to back up a little bit because, you know, I don't want to go over four and five again, but what the program really is, and I alluded this to this earlier about, you know, we're really dealing with relationships in this workshop. And what the program really is, is if you really look at it, it's simple, but it's not easy. And the reason why is it's an inventory process. All this program is, is really an inventory process to be able to find out those things about yourself that keep you from having better relationships with other people and with your higher power. That's really what this is about. You know, we do an inventory process. We find out our character defects. We try to get rid of them. We mend our relationships, and we just try not to behave that way anymore. You know, that's essentially this program in a nutshell. It's about introspection and willing to look at ourselves, and that's why it's not easy. It's simple because all it is is really an inventory process, but it's not easy because nobody really wants to look at themselves, you know. Um, and it's kind of amazing how long people sometimes sit on their steps, even though it's going to make them feel a lot better and take away their misery. Um, and, you know, I've, I, I want to talk about how I've um, taken the steps recently because I think it's really important. Um, the way I used to sponsor people and the way I took the steps originally was pretty traditional you do one step and when you're done with that do the second step and then do the next step and and what ended up happening with me is um i always wanted to stay one step ahead of the monster so i had to get into a certain level of pain before i would do the next step um so you know it was when the pain of remaining the same became greater than the fear of change that's when i changed okay but until that point i did not and so, you know, I sat around and not did, did not do my fourth step for a long time um, and not my fifth step for a long time until I got to that point. Um, you know, thank God it wasn't that long. I mean, I was pretty much, you know, up through, you know, doing my amends like well before, you know, somewhere between 10 months and a year after I got clean. And I have 27 years now, but the first time through... You know, I was under a year when I got to those steps, but still, for those 10 months, which was really early on in my sobriety, I was kind of feeling miserable, you know, until I got to the point where I was, you know, looking at myself, doing the inventory and, and, and making amends. Um, and, um, you know, that's a long time, really. I mean, for someone who's new, that's a long time to not feel good, you know. And uh, what happened was when I had 20 years, I had the opportunity to take the steps in a different way. And what it was was a workshop that I went to that 
we took all the steps in one day and it was basically the step the same way that dr bob used to take people through the steps back in the old days you know it's exactly it's straight out of the big book exactly how dr bob used to take people and i said this is amazing and things that i thought i had gotten rid of i was able in that one day workshop i was able to really dig a little deeper and peel another few layers of the onion of things that i already knew about and thought that i had worked on but i guess i was still you know suppressing or some of the feelings and stuff like that but i was able to deal with those things and i thought it was really great and the reason why i thought it was really great was there was this really euphoric feeling after the day was done it was like you know one of these you know coming off coming off the mountain things some of us guys use you know um you know we do these men's retreats and we have this feeling when we come off the mountain and that's how i had that feeling um after that and since that time which is about seven years ago i've been sponsoring people that way you know and saying hey you want to take the steps you have to go to this workshop and i do this i actually put on this um one day workshop that goes through all the steps about every couple of months and um it's a really really great way to do an inventory it's a really good inventory process it's a really good way of finding out about yourself and coming to the point where you're willing to have God remove your character defects and um, and asking God to do that and then you know getting to the point where you start thinking about and putting together your amends list and become willing to go out so that pretty much the next day you can go start knocking on doors and making amends to people you know um, and uh, it was it's been very helpful to me um, I asked you know I asked Dean to help me with this uh, workshop so I was going to give him an opportunity now to speak on these steps as well um, and 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 his experience with with taking the steps Dean's one of my sponsees so uh, Dean why don't you go ahead and take it and then we'll then we'll do some Q&A or sharing we'll, let's leave it up to you guys I'm a recovered addict. My name is Dean. Hi. Let's go back to step three. I got, I'm trying to keep these little mental notes on the Lauren list in the back here. Uh, and it goes back when I first came into the program and I came in through Marijuana Anonymous. I was, um, I was 45 years old. And I had been smoking pot since I was 14. And I always tell people uh, that I was given pot by a kid whose name was Danny Strait. <laughs> and his daddy was a psychiatrist. And his daddy used to give him pot to get him to talk. So he'd charge him 150 an hour, light one up and say, here. And it was sugar-cured sugar uh, Mexican pot back then, 10 bucks. And I came in here, and it got to a certain point where it was like, okay, I want to do this, and I want to do it really bad because I experienced a, um, a moment of incomprehensible demoralization. And when I had that moment of incomprehensible demoralization, I had a moment of clarity, 
and it was presented to me. God immediately was in my life, and this little girl was on the phone going, why don't you think about doing something for yourself? And that's what got me here. And we got to the third step, and like Lauren was saying, it was like, you know, made a decision to turn our life and our will over to the care of God as we understood God, you know. Well, what does that mean, you know? And somebody just said, well, you know, there's four turtles and they're sitting on a log, and one turtle decides he's going to jump off the log. How many turtles are there? There's four. Because all he did is make a decision. So I got it. It was like, okay, so I made the decision and I took the, the steps. I continued to take the steps. And I got to a point where uh, my sponsor, I did the fourth step and I did the fifth step. And it was time to do the sixth and the seventh step. And my sponsor said, I can no longer sponsor you. Why? Well, I haven't taken them. What do you mean? So I haven't done the sixth step yet. So I'm going to have you take my sponsor. And Lauren was his sponsor. And that's how Lauren became my sponsor. And I took the steps, and I was done taking the steps within nine months or whatever it was. And back then, in Marijuana Anonymous, people were going, this guy's a freight train. <laughs> Holy shit. This guy's running around with his hair on fire and looking for a, a bucket of water. You know, and it was like, I don't know. I just want to do this because I've read the promises. I've read this stuff. I'd really like my life to change, please. You know, my life is uncontrollable, unmanageable, and uh, I'm witnessing it through my children. One of my children is becoming a speed freak and a drug addict, and I had this moment of clarity when it was like, I wonder where she got those notions. And I had to look in the mirror, and it was a pain in the ass, and it hurt. But it was like, there's the truth, there it is, here's the solution. Give me the solution, I want the solution. I don't like living this way, you know? I'll deal with the rest of it later. Right now, let's do this. And I had those character defects. I'll give that up, I'll give that up. I don't know about this one, and you ain't touching the other one. Because this one's got a big payoff to it. And it's a, I'm a know-it-all son of a bitch. And I make my living in the film industry being that. So where are you touching that? That's a good character defect. Call it anything you want. It gets me six figures a year. And I was very unwilling to let go of any of that. You know, it's like that's what it takes. It takes ego, it takes bravado, and it takes someone going, I got it solved. I don't know how I'm going to solve it, but I got it solved. So that's how I, I, this always brings me back home to really understanding what I was ready to get rid of and what I did not want to let go of. And uh, when I came to the 12-step uh, table meeting and took the day to go through all 12 steps and really the mastery of this is, is the work that was done to put this day together. This day, through this day, you hopscotch through the stories, through the uh, basic text, and you go back and forth. 
and the way it's tied together in such a fine bow of sense as to why you do this now and you get it done. And, and when you're reading this stuff, you're reading these people going, you know, if I don't do this, I'm going to go back to my old way of life. And when you found me, I was in a hospital in a bed with a wet brain. And my family was in the other room mourning my demise, and I was still breathing. But as far as my family was concerned, I'm dead. I'm useless. And I'm back. And I don't ever want to go back there again. And I had just enough of that, I don't ever want to go back there again to keep me going because of my child. So doing it this way and coming back to it, and the process is, is and, and I'll, I'll go to the beginning of the process, you start writing and you're being read to and while you're being read to, you're writing. And while you're being read to, you're hearing somebody say, I used to be a liar, cheat, and a thief. And you go, liar, cheat, and a thief. And in the back of your head, you say, I'm not really the kind of cheat I used to be. I'm pretty good. Write it down. And I write it down, liar, cheat, and thief. And the hours go by, and I keep writing stuff down. I keep doing this stuff. And someone else said, liar, cheat, and thief again. They said, write it down again. And if you don't write it down, write down liar. Liar. And as it keeps going through this stream of consciousness, of just stuff coming through, it all of a sudden goes, wow, when you really start to take it apart, I still lie. And I still cheat. And I still fudge. You know? And I'm not rigorous. But I think it's okay because I'm really only a marijuana smoker. And I didn't have to suffer that bottom that is in that book and all that other crap, so. And there it goes, you know, write down justifier, you know, write down bullshitter, because I'm bullshitting myself. And nobody believes my bullshit better than I do. I love my bullshit, you know. Oop, that's a character defect I'm still holding on to, I think, you know. So that's what I got from this, and that's what I got and the result was, when I came back after completing the day, they were setting everything itself up. And Lauren was doing what Lauren does, which was basically all of it. You know, I've got this, I got that, and I got that. And I said, you know what, I'm doing this part now. So what I do now is if you want to come and sit at the table meeting, you're welcome to. And you're given my phone number, and you call me, and I put you down on the roster. And I go, I got a marijuana addict with five years who's on step four. Okay. Not my position to judge or do anything. But I now can call Lauren and say, we need three people from MA. We need four people from NA. We need two Al-Anons, a male and a female. And we put the other side of the room together to accommodate those coming into the room so that we're there when the time comes to go one-on-one -on, -one on the fifth step. And before you know it, for us, the day goes by like that. You walk in at 8 o'clock in the morning, and it's somewhere around 6 o'clock, and we've gone through this whole thing again. And it's that, that thing. We're not doing the work. We're just helping facilitate these people do the work. And I walk away higher than I was 
when I did the work. Because I'm being of service now. And if you knew me, I'm too damn busy most of the time to think I should be of service, you know? Because I'm busy believing my bullshit and solving problems that the rest of the world can't do. Without me, anyway. So, that's what it's about, and I wholeheartedly, if you've been here 20 years, take it. If you've been here 20 minutes, consider it. You know, do yourself a favor, and do the ones around you a favor. Because the people that get the benefit of this are my grandchildren and my family. When my conduct changed, and I, I personally say my conduct, I like to use the word because when I say behavior, I think of that little brat I used to be that did not behave. I did not do what I was told to do. But when I conduct myself, I consider what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it in the most harmless way that I can perform it. And it's like I'm conducting something. I'm taking full responsibility and maybe making a contribution in the, in the action. So thank you. And that's all I got to say about that. Okay, anybody have any questions about 6, 7, 8, or 9? Or want to... Okay. Um, yes? Yeah, so where did you uh, get the list from, and why? Um, I noticed, you know, there was self-will isn't on there, or... Uh, Fear, do you not consider those necessarily to be, uh, you know, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't compile this list. This was something that was given to me, and I thought it was kind of, you know, it's not completely comprehensive, but it's fairly comprehensive. Um, you know, if you want to have put fear on there, put fear. The opposite would probably be faith. Um, what was the other one that you did, Sin? Well, self-will would probably fall in all these other things. Self selfishness, self-righteousness, self-pity, self self-will, all the selves kind of fall together. Um, and you probably put God's will as the spiritual opposite of that. So um, I have another question, if it's okay. Um, how do you personally um, in the day that you're in um, go about go about giving your defects of character moment to moment? How do you personally, on a daily basis, work your six and seven step in your life? Okay, well, my day generally consists of, you got to remember, I have 27 years. I don't know how much time you have. So my day, my day really consists of getting centered from the beginning because if I don't get centered, then everything falls apart. So my day really starts off with um, prayer and meditation and asking for God to guide me, okay? And if if you look at, you know, and I'm going to use the big book again, but um, you know, when I got when I got clean, the MA book didn't exist, okay? So um so I did my step work out of the big book. Um if you look at the big book and probably the two most important the most important page is page 86, okay? And 86 is it will tell you exactly how to conduct your day, okay? The first part of 86 really talks about step 10, and it talks about, you know, the end of the day. And it talks about looking at your day, and it, there's a series of questions in that paragraph. 
you know, have you been deceitful? Have you been this? Have you been that? And so that you can do a 10-step inventory. It essentially gives you the questions for a 10-step inventory and what you need to do. You know, it's to sort of be contemplative and introspective on a daily basis at the end of each day, you know. And it's doesn't if if you do it on a daily basis, it really doesn't take that long, you know, because we we're people of creatures of habit, so we end up having the same patterns, okay? So the following paragraph, which is at the bottom of that page, starts off with upon awakening, you know, and it talks about asking God for guidance and um, and asking God for his will throughout your day and how to pray. And it's usually don't pray for something for yourself except for to be guided by God, you know. Like don't pray for winning the lottery, for example, you know. I mean, pray as to how you can be of service to God and to other people. So the answer to that question essentially is if I start off and center myself, then my day generally goes pretty good. And what has happened is, you know, like I said, I have 27 years. That means 27 years of one day at a time. And you always hear everyone say, oh, we all have the same 24 hours. Well, no, we don't. I have 24, I have 27 years of doing this one day at a time with the experience of falling on my face, having to come up against character defects, having to do this, and having experienced God's will and God working through me for 27 years to the point where I have faith that if I ask God to help me, God's going to help me, okay? So I have that, and I wouldn't trade that my 24 hours today with someone who has a week of 24 hours, okay? Because I have the experience of of being able to use, you know, I don't say work the work the steps or work the program. I say take the steps and live the program. You know, we take the steps into our lives and we live the program. In fact, all the books that I've ever read or all the steps that we read at meetings, they never say these are the steps we worked. It says these are the steps we took. You know, these are the steps we take. You know, so it's all about taking the taking the steps and living the program. So I've taken these things into my life and I use them as tools. Um, I use them as tools to maintain a spiritual practice. Uh, And like I said, as time has gone on, my road has narrowed. There's very little behavior I allow myself that's going to inhibit my spirituality. Remember I said that um, I always wanted to stay one step ahead of the monster, so then I would do this step. Well, now it's not that. Now it's I'm chasing the carrot. I felt some peace and serenity, and I want more peace and serenity. So now I do this stuff to chase the carrot because I want more peace and serenity, and I don't think I'll ever get to the point where I say, well, you know, I've had enough peace and serenity. I think I'll stop doing this, you know. (laughs) I just don't think I'll get to that point. You know, I think I'll go do something, you know. Um, And so what has happened is that God has removed a lot of these defects of characters. So to the point where when a situation comes up, my default now is to, to do the spiritual principle. You know, it's not that I couldn't do the character defect. Just that I know that it's not going to make me feel good. I won't be able to look at myself in the mirror. You know, I won't be able to do that. Um, and if if you do, if you if I were to sponsor you, for example, and you called me and said, you know, I'm feeling this way, and I'm blah blah blah. The first thing I'm going to say, and I'll ask one of my sponsees, John, what am I going to say? Give pals a pray. And then what? I'm, what am I going to ask you? 
I'm going to ask you, did you meditate today, right? Did you pray and meditate, did you pray and meditate today? And if you said no, then I'll say, go get powerless, pray and meditate, and then call me back. And then when you call me back, go, you know what, I feel better. And I said, okay, good. My way of sponsoring is very simple. That's all I do. I don't tell anyone to do anything. I tell them to go get powerless and pray, meditate, and the answer usually comes to them. Because deep down in your heart, you know what it is. Yes? Um, a couple of questions and a couple of comments. Sure. Um, where do you offer that day-long uh, steps, doing all 12 steps in a day, and might, you, might it work on the MA phone line? It will not work on the MA phone line, okay? It's, it's very interactive. You need face-to-face. -face. We do it um, once every other month in Los Angeles. We also have a, one that... It's a little bit more hardcore out in Banning. Um, that's once a month, which is out in the Palm Springs area. However, we have been known to gather a group of people from out here and come somewhere. We've gone to Canada. We've gone to Atlanta, Georgia, and stuff like that. If people get a group, say, I have 10 people that are willing to do this, we'll travel. Thank you both, Lauren and Dean. Really appreciate um, all that you had to share. Um, and um, I, I have uh, had a lot of uh, recovery in doing all 12 steps on one problem. Like, for instance, wanting to control my son's marijuana use instead of my own. You know, I'm powerless over my, my son's marijuana use. I'm coming to believe that, you know, there's a higher power at work in him. Right. And if I get out of the way, you know, that higher power can work. I'm making a decision. Please help me make a decision to turn my will and my life over the care of God, what is my part, you know, wanting to control, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I've, I've gotten a lot. I mean, I could be driving and done it before, dr driving and just, you know, go through all 12 steps on whatever the problem is that I'm having. And um, and, and I just want to throw in there that uh, for me, I experience, is, you know, envy, still got that, but to a lot less degree than when I started working the steps, you know, uh, you name it, jealousy, you know, competition, you know, all those character defects that, that I discovered in my fourth step, you know, I didn't think I had that, oh yeah, I got that, and you know, just, it's all a matter of degree. Sometimes I find with jealousy and envy is that if we really ask ourselves, what is it that we really want, it's really not what we're jealous and envious about. It's usually something else, you know, it's, you know. Yeah, that so. thing you said, praying pray that the other person gets what I want, basically it's peace and serenity underneath it all. And if the other person gets peace and serenity, that only helps my life. Right, right. Yeah, in the big book, it, it started with, it split the resentment. Yeah. And what do I do about that? You pray for them. <laughs> my, my favorite prayer I heard in a meeting once, I hated it when I heard it, but bless her, change me. Bless him, change me. Bless them, change me. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's essentially the prayer. <laughs> you know, that's essentially the prayer. Um, anybody else want to say anything or add anything? Yes. One, it's just my experience of the steps is um, it's been it's been a process, and this whole idea of a sort of one day workshop, intensive workshop, is very different than what my experience is. And um, 
although I can imagine that if I did it, it would be extremely useful. Um, but it's like there are certain events that I have that I have tried repeatedly at different points to make with like this one very important person. And as I've gone through my recovery, each time I tried, I did a better job, you know, until I got to the point where it was really clear that there had been healing on, on both sides. Um, so I guess I'm just putting out there, you know, I, I don't think they're contradictory, but my experience has been very much as a long-term process, which is kind of a different model. Than right. Well, it's... Well, then there's a misnomer here, okay? There's a one-step work, one-day workshop, but it's not an event. It is a process, okay? And, and it's it, one chapter in a process. It's one chapter in a process. It's sort of a, like I said, it's a really good way of doing an inventory and finding out those things about you, but you still have to practice. You still have to ask God every day to remove your character defects. You still have to practice spiritual principles on a daily basis. But there is a lot of misery that's lifted on that day because you're not holding that stuff back, you know, and a lot of pain and hurt, and it's a good place to start. And I always tell people, too, if they come and they ha happen to have a sponsor that wasn't there or hasn't been there, and they did a fifth step with us, I say, you know what, now go back and do a fifth step. Go do your fifth step with your sponsor and continue to take direction from your sponsor. And, you know, things like how to make an amend and what's the proper way ask your sponsor because you know just don't go out there and do it you know always get, you know especially on a difficult one get some guidance or if you happen to have a group of girlfriends in the program that are close ask them you know or whatever whatever your support group is that's in the program you need to continue it because it is a process it's not an event you know it you know the the one day workshop is really good for a couple things it's really good for like people who are new that haven't done it anything at all okay and it's a good way to just like purge a bunch of stuff quickly but you still have to work but you get that misery away from you right away it's also good for people who are stuck and need a new need a little kick in the butt and it's also good for like in like what i did i did when i had 20 years already is to go deep, dig another layer of the onion and go a little deeper because you know believe me i've picked up my my share of resentments and stuff in recovery you know in 27 years i didn't go through life and not pick up any resentments you know i did i picked up things you know and i had to deal with those again uh, you know i've been I've been clean a lot longer than I was using. So, you know, I still live life and people got me angry or whatever and I held on to it or whatever. Or I thought I was taking the high road, but meanwhile I'm holding on to something and I had to deal with it again. And it was a good way to to look at that stuff and to get a little deeper and go, you know, this is what I'm doing again and, and let go of that stuff. So, um, but it, it is kind of, it feels like an event, but it really isn't. It's a, it's a process. Anybody else? Well, I was just going to say one other point, which is sort of a little bit away from the 12 steps, but it's just, um, it, there's this concept in some of the cognitive behavioral therapy of opposite action um, in terms of changing your behavior, and that's exactly what you're saying. So if we behave opposite, and especially if we work a spiritual program to pray for the willingness, we will change. But here's a very important part of that, which we really don't talk about, is if you don't and you practice the old behavior... Don't kick your own butt about it because we're our own worst critics. You know, we'll kick our own butt all day and then it's like, well, might as well go use, you know. 
right? But we don't. We don't have to. We're humans. We're going to do that. We're going to make a mistake. Do it again, you know? You know, call the person up, make an amend, you know, <laughs> if, you, if you practice bad behavior, you know? Progress, not perfection. Exactly. Anybody else? Anybody want to share? Just share. We have time, so if you guys just want to share about whatever it is you want to share about, step-related. Yeah, go ahead. So, um, I want to thank you so much. Um, there's there's something I've been dealing with. Um, like, um, I'm not sure if this necessarily uh, applies to the steps we've necessarily talked about. Um, but it's something that's uh, it took away from my spiritual growth. Where I have this thing, I'm in another twelve-step fellowship for something because when I like, I wear a lot of hats because I have numerous numbers of scabs on my scalp. Um, that somewhere down the line, I started picking a scab on my scalp, and I was unable to stop picking once I picked, and it kept going. And it, it um, even after it bleeds, and I just cannot stop. I'm powerless over it. There's like this fellowship that's new, and so um, you know, I'll find myself being, you know, doing the things, praying. Like this morning, I meditated for an hour. I took a bathroom break after 20 minutes, and then did another 40 minutes of serious meditation. And I find that. I'll do these things to align myself to do as you do, as you say, and strip myself, get powerless, pray, meditate, and then I'll find myself deviate back into self, and I'll notice myself then practice that behavior, and I know that's not really a defect in the leg, but it's another thing I'm powerless over. Um, start, start over. And and I'll and I'll end up then. You know, picking again, and I'll find then myself, uh, you know, the hundred voices of fear because I've just made a decision to turn my will and my life over to self for the moment I'm in. And uh, end up basically, you know, having the you know, hundred voices of fear, and somewhere in there, almost instinctively, like maybe after like, 15 seconds is a voice that seems more along the lines of intuition, um, which is like, take this specific action. And I'll find myself unwilling, or for sufficient period of time, to take that action to get myself out of self. And then once I take that action to get myself out of self, I will find self try to bring me back into self through fear. By beating myself up because, ah, oh, you know, you just elongated your suffering because a uh, higher power or intuition said to do this thing, but you wanted to take 30 minutes. Why did you want to suffer? Why don't you want to grow spiritually? Um, there must be something I like about it. There must be something I like about the suffering. Well, that's, that's something you probably have to look into. I mean, that's yeah, probably, probably something... That's it's probably something you have to do your inventory. You know, when you do your inventory, hopefully it'll it'll come out. You know, so I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't guess it. I would just I would just do this mechanically. Do what you you know, like you said, it made you feel better when you pray to meditate first thing, and then you yeah. took it back. Well, then get on your knees and 
do it, give it back again. You know, that's all. Yes. Okay. Um, I I have um, I do I struggle every day almost like like adjusting everything too, and I feel like I almost sometimes every hour I have to just like surrender throughout the day. Just say like I'm powerless over that. Please remove my attention. I'm powerless. Over. It's sometimes it's all the time. Yeah, sometimes you have to do that every minute. You have to turn it over to to the care of God. You know, hit your knees. Hit your knees anytime you need to hit your knees. You know. Anybody else? We got about ten or fifteen minutes. Does someone just want to share? You want to take the podium and share for a little bit? Let's see. What are we going to share about today? Um, I think acting opposite is a is an excellent topic, and uh, I've always uh, called that the George Costanza effect. When George Costanza started acting opposite, he started to work for the Yankees. He got all these hot chicks all the time, and he made an absolute decision to act exactly. So we told Jerry, I'm going to act opposite, and this is how I'm going to turn my life around. And it was happening. So there had to be a sober writer on on Seinfeld, for sure. Um, But... Between that and and acting as if are two things that have have really helped me um, when I'm going through some some issues, uh, obsessive mind thinking, to start to try to turn some of that around. Um, I got taught early on in my sobriety about acting as if, and it does give some relief um, when you do that again because. It's all an inside job. And it's all about, you know, rather than the negative self-talk, you're talking in a much more positive way to yourself. And um, that and the the understanding that I cannot, cannot control people, places, things, and situations. That is a huge mantra for myself and has always been definitely since early sobriety because I am an extremely fearful person and I want to control everything and everything and everybody around me so they don't hurt me you know I grew up in a pretty abusive household I got my ass kicked pretty much every day by my older brother and my mother was a rageaholic and it was very unsafe um and I never realized that until I got into the program and started to uh, to take a look at all of this and how it affected me as a ch- as a little boy. And it absolutely drove um, my behavior, my my fear level. You know, it's right there. That's the uh, that's the tree uh, trunk, and all the defects are all the branches that came out from those issues and then my mom died when I was 13 years old so I was thrown into a whole nother fucking madness uh, of losing my mom uh, and having to grow up and having to take care of myself pretty much at 13 and um, and go through puberty at the same time which is a pretty fucked up situation and uh, I coped as best as I could. And at 14 is when I started smoking pot to cope with it. 
and it definitely was the solution at that time and it definitely opened me up and it definitely allowed me to laugh and be lighter and to have um, relationships with others and to be in groups because I was certainly a loner I had always had like one best friend and that was it and uh and the marijuana was the the thing that absolutely opened me up to that and so when you get the opportunity to go through your steps and when you get an opportunity to take a look at these things and you find out what the character defects are you know people are very fearful of going through steps four and five um because they really have to be introspective and after going through it you realize thank god i have the keys to the kingdom i finally know what the hell why the hell i keep behavior behaving in the same way time after time after time after time after time and constantly constantly booby trap my life and constantly fall back to that same bullshit that same bullshit behavior and beat myself up for it and there was a reason for that. And then you start to realize that you've got to have some compassion for yourself. You know, you've been through a lot of shit. And you did the best you could as a little kid to go through this. And I didn't have the mentors that I have now. You know, I didn't grow up into that situation. and have people who taught me how to, how to act in life. I did it. I did it as a 13-year-old. Which is absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> you are absolutely not ready for something like that. And uh, there's many, 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 many stories in this program uh, that I have heard that are 10,000 times worse than mine. And, uh, and I watch those people get better. I watch them come in completely, completely broken, cannot sit through a meeting without crying through the whole meeting, and absolutely watch the miracle. And that's where I see God in this program, no other place uh, the tangibility of seeing God is watching people, is watching their eyes start to get clear, watching a smile start to come over their face, watching them get their lives back together. This is a person that was absolutely broken six months ago. And that they turned their will and their lives over to a, a higher power and they started to work this program and started to take on the benefits of what this program has to offer and absolutely allow somebody to help them to trust somebody for the first time in your life because everybody that you trusted before let you down or abused you or did something fucked up to you. And the program allows you to have trust again, which is, I think, a huge, huge issue. So some of those concepts, I hope... Uh, I hope I could pass on a little of, uh, of that insight. Thank you. I was thinking about a lot of things here. It's been a very good workshop. Thank you. Um, when I was a little boy, I, um, my mom was a nurse, and she taught me a lot of things. I was raised primarily by a single mom, right? And one of the things um, I remember telling my mom is I, I, I very much appealed to the John Wayne syndrome or that ideology that um, I didn't have in my life. But it appealed to me for sure. And being a tough guy, not crying, if you spill milk, so on and so forth, right? 
just being a tough guy. And I remember when I was a little boy, I told my mom once I was, I was crying over something or I didn't get picked on the all-star team or some girl wouldn't go out with me or something like that. And I said, you know, mom, um, and she said, well, you're having a lot of stress in life and stuff like that. And she was going through a divorce and stuff. So she was very much in tune with her feelings and things like that. And I remember yelling at her and saying, mom, that's just such a cop out, this whole thing of stress, you know, you just got to toughen up. So fast forward here. 46 years old, and I'm overwhelmingly convinced that the um, stress is the um, impotence in life that affects almost everything that makes us move forward and move backwards or stay still or whatever. It all has to do with stress, good, bad, and different. Um, And um, another thing that flashed on my mind when I was in ninth grade, I was taking marine biology, and, I, and we were talking about organisms and, and, and mitosis and meiosis and cell division and all this complex stuff. And I said, I raised my hand, and she said, yes, Dave. And I said, are human beings, we were talking about complex and simple and complex organisms, single cell amoebas, complex blue whales. And I said, I raised my hand, and I was in ninth grade, and I said, are human beings complex? And she laughed. She giggled. And this is a 35-year-old teacher in L.A. Unified, and she giggled, and she said, yes, human beings are very complex. And she went on to go cite some scientific evidence. So here I am, a grown man, and um, human beings are the most complex thing I can think of on the planet, (laughs) and um, myself included. And this is all extremely beneficial. You know, when I got sober, it's obviously a big important um, encouragement is to get sober, not use drugs or alcohol. Why? Because the fog lifts. Once the fog lifts, then we can look at what we have. But let's go a deep, let's go a step further. This is really the fog for me personally is right here. Call it K-F-U-C-K radio, whatever you want to call it. The chaos, the stress, the complexity of human beings, the self-righteousness, the justifiable anger I cling to, being sober for a number of years and building up resentments. Sure, that's a very strong truth. Um, the, The... the blocks, if you will, are right here. They're answered right here because it's all here. And I can get very stuck. And um, so getting sober is certainly very clear, clean, uh, important, you know, not smoking, not drinking. But the real work and real clarity comes when this kind of stuff happens. And I can clean my house. I can uh, try to recognize my own frailties. And, you know, early on in sobriety, I, I think – one aspect for me is I wanted to do everything perfect. I wanted to look perfect. I wanted to do it perfectly. I didn't do my fourth step for a couple of years, plural. Not something I'm proud of, but it's the truth. Talk about slow sobriety and the path of my recovery as opposed to just merely sobriety are two different things. And... Um, you know, willing to work on this stuff and look at it and acknowledge it and try to move forward as best I can without doing it perfect and admitting, yeah, I still probably have some things I'm clinging to on that list. Yeah, in my role at work, I need to drive that train a little bit. They need someone who's a little bit uh, pushy, almost tenacious, I like to say, uh, driven. That's necessary in my life to a certain extent. Um, 
so there's some interesting things to look at, but, uh, you know, uh, being willing to get quiet, come in a room, listen, identify, relate to people speaking, gender aside, male, female, doesn't matter what, you know, we're kind of all in that same boat, I believe that very much so, and um, being willing to work on this stuff, it goes merely way beyond just being sober, because the real that radio station I mentioned, KF, is right here. And it's difficult to tune that out. That meditation workshop was remarkable. It was amazing. I was very grateful I went to that. And I, I shared that with him, George. Um, but there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot more work to do. And um, this has been very rewarding. So I just want to acknowledge that and say thank you and uh, keep coming back. One quickie. Do you want to share or do you want to just have a question? I just wanted to, sh to say something. Um, I think for me, one of the biggest obstacles was my shame and perfectionism. And that one of the things that's really important to me in the seventh step is that it says humbly. And humble means that I'm not responsible. I don't have to be God. I'm not perfect. Um, and I mean, I was really scared to work the steps for a long, long time because I couldn't do it complete enough. I couldn't do it perfect enough. And I, it's because I thought I was supposed to be God. You know, I didn't get that piece of it. So to, at this point in my recovery, which is also you know, a long time in, the humility of step seven is like the, one of the core, the main spiritual values that I really work every day. So I just wanted to add that. Okay. Two-minuter? Anybody have a two-minuter? Hi, I'm John. I'm an addict. Thanks, Lauren, for putting this on Dean. And, uh, and just Lauren. Lauren's my sponsor, so he's taken me through the steps. And I'm eternally grateful. Um, I've been really just, I came to this convention really just wanting to listen this time. I'm, I'm glad to do just a little quick share, but uh, I, I've always shared at every meeting. And uh, what I'm about now is I'm trying to just listen. I, I, I found a Anthony DeMello story. That Davy Keys turned me on to years ago. I remember, I, and I've given that book out to like a dozen people. Anthony DeMello was a Jesuit priest who was East Indian, and so his teachings are a combination of East Indian and, and, and Jesuit Catholicism. And the story, one of his stories that's my favorite, is um, about this American college professor was going to meet with this Zen master. And so he was nervous about it, and he sits down with the Zen master, and so he's just talking and talking and talking and kind of to show what he knows about the things. And he's going on, the Zen master just politely listens and politely listens. And the guy is talking, and he says, um, finally the Zen master says, would you like some tea? And the professor says, sure, I'll have some tea. So he puts down the cups, and he starts pouring the tea in the cup, and it fills, and it overflows, and he keeps pouring, and it overflows, keeps pouring, and overflowing. And finally the professor says, stop, it's full. And the Zen master said, this cup is like you. You're so full of your own thoughts and your own ideas that nothing new can get in. Empty your cup. And so that's what I determined to, like, like to come to this convention with that, empty my cup and just come in ready for some fresh ideas, ready to just, I mean, to, of course, acknowledge my past. Like I said, Lauren, I'm going to go through this. I've done that. But to uh, just try to get a new perspective because, you know, I'm not in danger of going out immediately 
What I find is though when I am not working an active program, I backslide into my character defects and I start acting that way and I'm finding myself doing that. It's like, whoa, okay, that's a, that's a good barometer of where I'm at. It's like, am I acting in character defects or am I acting in spiritual principles? And when I'm acting in my character defects, it's because I'm kind of drifting a little bit away from the, not a little bit, but I'm drifting away from the program and, and working it actively. I have to work this actively the rest of my life. You know, I have a daily reprieve. Intentional maintenance of my spiritual condition, and, um, and like Lauren said, you know, are you are you praying and meditating? You know, and I'm doing that, but that's just just one part. If you like, like you said, use another analogy. Is you got four wheels on your your wagon? You know, you've got prayer, and you've got you've got service, and you've got doing the steps, and you've got sponsorship, and they all have to be going. Otherwise, your car, you know, you can't go on three wheels or two wheels. So, uh, just grateful to be here and. Uh, Thanks for what you share.